Welcome to Scary Bedtime Stories. I'm your host, Jose, and I will be your guide, your Morpheus into the world of dreams. The goal of this podcast is to help you fall asleep by relaxing you, taking your restless mind off your problems, and help you get the rest that you deserve while I read to you a horror classic. I promise it won't be too scary. We're going to tune out the outside world. That's the gentle rain and music you hear in the background. Hopefully, that'll be enough to drown out your neighbor's barking dog or the sirens from the high-speed police chase happening outside your window. Put this episode on repeat or make a playlist of several episodes while we wait for the Sandman to come. Focus on your breathing. To quote Gavin Rosdale from Bush, Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in. I'll stop joking around. But if you want to hear more of my jokes, check out my other podcast, Technically a Conversation. A podcast I do with my lovely co-hosts, Isela and Elena. We love to cover weird topics and make you laugh in the process. A link will be in the show notes or go to technicallyaconversation.com. With all that out of the way, let's get started. Make yourself comfortable in your bed. Flip that pillow around to the cool side and relax your breathing. Smear some Vicks Vapor Rub under your nose and focus on how soft and cool your sheets are. Today, I'll be reading you part two and three of The Monkey's Paw by W. W. Jacobs. In the brightness of the wintry sun next morning, as it streamed over the breakfast table, he laughed at his fears. The room felt as it always had, and there was an air of health and happiness, which was not there the previous night. The dirty, dried-up little paw was thrown on the cabinet with a carelessness which indicated no great belief in what good it could do. I suppose all old soldiers are the same, said Miss White. The idea of our listening to such nonsense. How could wishes be granted in these days? And if they could, how could 200 pounds hurt your father? Might drop on his head from the sky, said Herbert. Morris said that things happened so naturally said his father, that you might, if you so wished, not see the relationship. Well, don't break into the money before I come back, said Herbert, as he rose from the table to go to work. I'm afraid I'll turn you into a mean, greedy old man, and we shall have to tell everyone that we don't know you. His mother laughed and followed him to the door, watched him go down the road, and returning to the breakfast table, she felt very happy at the expense of her husband's readiness to believe such stories, all of which did not prevent her from hurrying to the door at the postman's knock, nor when she found that the post brought only a bill, talking about how sergeant majors can develop bad drinking habits after they leave the army. Herbert will have some more of his funny remarks, I expected, when he comes home, 
she said as they sat at dinner. I know, said Mr. White, pouring himself out some beer. But for all that, the thing moved in my hand, that I'll swear to. You thought it did, said the old lady, trying to calm him. I say it did, replied the other. There was no thought about it. I had just... What's the matter? His wife made no reply. She was watching the mysterious movements of a man outside, who, looking in an undecided fashion at the house, appeared to be trying to make his mind to enter. In mental connection with the 200 pounds, she noticed that the stranger was well-dressed and wore a silk hat of shiny newness. Three times he stopped briefly at the gate and then walked on again. The fourth time, he stood with his hand upon it and then with sudden firmness of mind, pushed it open and walked up the path. Miss White at the same moment placed her hands behind her, hurriedly untied the strings of her apron and put it under the cushion of her chair. She brought the stranger, who seemed a little uncomfortable, into the room. He looked at her in a way that said that there was something about his purpose that he wanted to keep secret and seemed to be thinking of something else. As the old lady said, she was sorry for the appearance of the room and her husband's coat, which he usually wore in the garden. She then waited as patiently as her sex would permit for him to state his business, but he was at first strangely silent. I was asked to call, he said at last, and bent down and picked up a piece of cotton from his trousers. I come from Ma and Megan's. The old lady jumped suddenly as in alarm. Is anything the matter? She asked breathlessly. Has anything happened to Herbert? What is it? What is it? Her husband spoke before he could answer. There, there, mother, he said hurriedly. Sit down and don't jump to a conclusion. You've not brought bad news, I'm sure, sir. And I the other, expecting that it was bad news, but hoping he was wrong. I'm sorry, began the visitor. Is he hurt? demanded the mother wildly. The visitor lowered and raised his head once in agreement. Badly hurt, he said quietly, but he is not in any pain. Oh, thank God, said the old woman, pressing her hands together tightly. Thank God for that. Thank. She broke off as the tragic meaning of the part about him not being in pain came to her. The man had turned his head slightly so as to not look directly at her, but she saw the awful truth in his face. She caught her breath and turned to her husband, who did not yet understand the man's meaning, laid her shaking hand on his. There was a long silence. He was caught in the machinery, said the visitor at length in a low voice. Caught in the machinery, repeated Mr. White, too shocked to think clearly. Yes, he sat staring out the window and taking his wife's hand between his own, pressed it as he used to do when he was trying to win her love in the time before they were married.
nearly 40 years before. He was the only one left to us, he said, turning gently to the visitor. It is hard. The other coughed and rising, walked slowly to the window. The firm wishes me to pass on their great sadness about your loss, he said, without looking around. I ask that you too please understand that I am only their servant and simply doing what they told me to do. There was no reply. The old man's face was white, her eyes staring, and her breath unheard. On the husband's face was a look such as his friend the sergeant major might have carried into his first battle. I was to say that Ma and Megan's accept no responsibility, continued the other, but although they don't believe that they have a legal requirement to make a payment to you for your loss. In view of your son's services, they wish to present you with a certain sum. Mr. White dropped his wife's hand and raising to his feet, stared with a look of horror at his visitor. His dry lips shaped the words, how much, 200 pounds, was the answer. Without hearing his wife scream, the old man smiled weakly, put out his hands like a blind man, and fell, a senseless mass, to the floor. Part 3 In the huge new cemetery, some two miles away, the old people buried their dead and came back to the house, which was now full of shadows and silence. It was all over so quickly that at first they could hardly realize it and remained in a state of waiting for something else to happen. Something else which was to light this load, too heavy for old hearts to bear. But the days passed and they realized they had to accept the situation, the hopeless acceptance of the old. Sometimes they hardly said a word to each other for now they had nothing to talk about, and their days were long to tiredness. It was a week after the old man, waking suddenly in the night, stretched out his hand and found himself alone. The room was in darkness, and he could hear the sound of his wife crying quietly at the window. He raised himself in bed and listened. Come back, he said tenderly, you will be cold. It is colder for my son, said the old woman, who began crying again. The sounds of crying died away in his ears. The bed was warm and his eyes heavy with sleep. He slept lightly at first and then was fully asleep until a sudden wild cry from his wife woke him with a start. The paw, she cried wildly, the monkey's paw. He started up in alarm. Where? Where is it? What's the matter? She almost fell as she came hurried across the room toward him. I want it, she said quietly. You've not destroyed it? It's in the living room, on the shelf above the fireplace, he replied. Why? She cried and laughed together and bending over, 
kissed his cheek. I only just thought of it, she said. Why didn't I think of it before? Why didn't you think of it? Think of what? He questioned. The other two wishes, she replied quickly. We've only had one. Was not that enough? He demanded angrily. No, she cried excitedly. We'll have one more. Go down and get it quickly and wish our boy alive again. The man sat up in bed and threw the blankets from his shaking legs. Good God, you are mad, he cried, struck with horror. Get it, she said, breathing quickly. Get it quickly and wish. Oh, my boy, my boy. Her husband struck a match and lit the candle. Go back to bed, he said, his voice shaking. You don't know what you are saying. We had the first wish granted, said the old woman, desperately. Why not the second? A co coincidence, said the old man. Go get it and wish, cried his wife, shaking with excitement. The old man turned and looked at her, and his voice shook. He has been dead ten days, and besides he... I would not tell you before, but I could only recognize him by his clothing. If he was too terrible for you to see then, how now? Bring him back, cried the old woman, and pulled him toward the door. Do you think I fear the child I have nursed? He went down into the darkness and felt his way to the living room, and then to the fireplace. The talisman was in its place on the shelf and then a horrible fear came over him that the unspoken wish might bring the broken body of his son before him before he could escape from the room. He caught his breath as he found that he had lost the direction of the door, his forehead cold with sweat. He felt his way around the table and along the walls until he found himself at the bottom of the stairs with the evil thing in his hand. Even his wife's face seemed changed as he entered the room. It was white and expectant, and to his fears seemed to have an unnatural look upon it. He was afraid of her. Wish, she cried in a strong voice. It is foolish and wicked, he said weakly. Wish, repeated his wife. He raised his hand. I wish my son alive again. The talisman fell to the floor and he looked at it fearfully. Then he sank into a chair and the old woman with burning eyes walked to the window and opened the curtains. He sat until he could no longer bear the cold, looking up from time to time at the figure of his wife staring through the window. The candle, which had almost burned to the bottom, was throwing moving shadows around the room. When the candle finally went out, the old man, with an unspeakable sense of relief at the failure of the talisman, went slowly back to his bed. And a minute afterward, the old woman came silently and lay without movement beside him. Neither spoke, but lay silently listening to the ticking of the clock 
they heard nothing else other than the normal night sounds. The darkness was depressing, and after lying for some time, building up his courage, the husband took the box of matches and lighting one, went downstairs for another candle. At the foot of the stairs, the match went out, and he stopped to light another, and at the same moment, a knock sounded on the front door. It was so quiet that it could only be heard downstairs, as if the one knocking, wanting to keep their coming a secret. The matches fell from his hand. He stood motionless, not even breathing, until the knock was repeated. Then he turned and ran quickly back to his room and closed the door behind them. A third knock sounded through the house. What's that? cried the old woman, sitting up quickly. A rat, said the old man shakily. A rat. It passed me on the stairs. His wife sat up in bed, listening. A loud knock echoed through the house. It's Herbert, she screamed. It's Herbert. She ran to the door, but her husband was there before her, and catching her by the arm, held her tightly. What are you going to do? He asked in a low, scared voice. It's my boy. It's Herbert, she cried, struggling automatically. I forgot it was two miles away. What are you holding me for? Let go. I must open the door. For God's sake, don't let it in, cried the old man, shaking with fear. You're afraid of our own son, she cried, struggling. Let me go. I'm coming, Herbert. I'm coming. There was another knock, and another. The old woman, with a sudden pull, broke free and ran from the room. Her husband followed to the top of the stairs and called after her as she hurried down. He heard the chain pulled back and the bottom lock open. Then the old woman's voice, desperate and breathing heavily. The top lock, she cried loudly. Come down, I can't reach it. But her husband was on his hands and knees, feeling around wildly on the floor in search of the paw. If only he could find it before the thing outside got in. The knocks came very quickly now, echoing throughout the house, and he heard the noise of his wife moving a chair and putting it down against the door. He heard the movement of the lock as she began to open it, and at the same moment he found the monkey's paw and frantically breathed his third and last wish. The knocking stopped suddenly, although the echoes of it were still in the house. He heard the chair pulled back and the door opened. A cold wind blew up the staircase and a long loud cry of disappointment and pain from his wife gave him the courage to run down to her side and then to the gate. The street light opposite shone on a quiet and deserted road. This concludes The Monkey's Paw by W.W. W. Jacob. Stay tuned for the next episode where we'll start a new story. If you enjoyed the podcast and it helped you sleep, don't forget to subscribe, tell a friend, and leave me a review. 
You can also follow me on the socials at Scary Bedtime and listen to my other podcast at technicallyaconversation.com. All the links will be in the show notes. Have a good night.